What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada's sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, Saints save the day. The Chiefs can't get their backers a win yet again, even though they cruise to victory on the field. The Jets jam up survivor participants, knocking out a quarter of the entries. The Falcons do Falcon things. But what the Falc was going on in the NFL Review headquarters this week? A pair of strong handicaps find a way to die while one gets thrown out the window early in Big D. All of Sunday's NFL betting reaction with Sheldon Alexander of the On Blast Podcast Network. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to The Window. I'm your host, Matt Russell. It's the Monday morning show, and we had to go and ruin a perfectly good start to Week 15 by playing games on Sunday. Thanks a lot, NFL. 2-0 uh, and oh in the best bets turns into 4-5-1 and one with Pittsburgh pending to sort of save the week here tonight. To help me break it all down, it's Sheldon Alexander, host of the On Blast Podcast Network. My man, how are you this fine Monday morning? Uh, when when does the NBA season start? <laughs> crawling to the finish line here of this NFL regular season. But, 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 I turn it into some positives here, right? Because once we get to the playoffs, right, I feel like, you know, you take all the information that the regular season has given us, and I'm just be going to be better prepared for the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm telling myself. That's all. That, yeah, that's I mean, in a lot of ways, that's all this is for. Um, yeah, my weekend was sort of salvaged uh, by a pretty standard operating procedure type game. But we'll get to that in a second. I'm going to take about as long on the Sunday nighter as the Giants were in that game last night. Uh, oh. Joe Judge, former past special teams coach, kicks things off with one of the more ridiculous trick plays in recent memory. Uh, anytime you can rely on what the punter, you know, who's holding the field goal to, uh, you know, call the audible and bring in a play that throws to the long snapper in double coverage. I think you absolutely have to do that, especially early on in the game when, you know what, like, I'm not a big, just take the points guy, as you know, but in that game, when Mm -hmm. you're, you know, your defense is, you know, at least a thing. I think taking three is just fine. And you know what? If you're going to go for it, I'd have been all for that. But let's bring, let's keep the offense out there, Joe. Let's keep the offense out there. And so he said after the game, you can't win the game with field goals. You could, maybe you couldn't, but you definitely aren't going to cover the spread with, uh, with stuff like that. True. Do you know what you, you maybe can't win the game with field goals, but you can definitely lose the game by, continuing to throw the ball with your non-quarterback that's definitely a thing also i would just like to point out the fact that colt mccoy was starting at quarterback for you and you're going against not the chiefs right? right not some like highly powered offense and i get that the thinking is oh well we could stop them and both like i understand that i get that but your offense isn't necessarily you know the greatest show on turf right <laughs> right yeah. Take the damn points. Take yeah. the points. You're playing yeah. with your backup quarterback. You're 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 in the mix. Everything's feeling good. Take the points. Make your defense feel good. You're you're just adding so much pressure onto your defense when you continuously do that and then not get anything. 
Yeah. Not yeah, to and, and the, the fa- whole let's run it into the line. <laughs> like, well, and yeah, yeah. I mean, you know how I feel uh, about about those plays. Um, that's what we call the Chargers special uh, in that situation. And the thing, the fact that it's the game's twenty to six, and I'm not sitting here going like, you know, mad at Colt McCoy, right? Like he was perfectly no. serviceable, I thought, for a for a team yeah. that scored six points the entire way, right? Like making throws, running offense, like. You know, we talk about it a fair amount, but like it's just not that hard to run sort of basic offense against a bad defense. And they were moving the ball pretty well throughout that game. And then, you know, listen, Baker Mayfield was outstanding. The receivers on Cleveland were outstanding. A lot of times when you're looking for that letdown spot or trying to see if there is a letdown element, a lot of times you can see it in the receivers because they'll drop passes, right? Because that's where the big concentration levels need to be when that ball is coming in hot. And it's really easy to drop a pass, have a pass hit you in the shoulder pads, you know, that kind of thing. And Cleveland was catching everything, and the Giants weren't catching very much. So let's get to the big one. Uh, Kansas City and New Orleans, by far the most interesting game before the game and probably even after the game. And of course, of course, Kansas City does not cover the spread push in a lot of places at three talked last week about getting yeah. plus three and a half. Like you can see the back door coming a mile away on this one, right? Yeah. It's a, it's every single week. It's the same script. And Hey, I was on chiefs minus three. That's just mm-hmm. the life we, we discuss this heavily on Thursday, right? I'm yep. just living the life and Drew Brees coming back. Didn't really change that. I thought, okay, cool. The saints offense will be better with Drew Brees, obviously, because he can actually throw a 10-yard pass. But I still just thought, you know what? At three points, one of these weeks, the Chiefs will figure out a way to cover the spread. And why not the week that they're only favored by three? No, <laughs> didn't happen. No, and do it. I, I, I laughed. I chuckled at taking the push. And their offense is so good, but – Watching that game, I, I know this isn't the gambling side of it, but it kind of is if you just apply this to whatever happens in the future, right? Sure. I feel like whatever team they play, whatever the point spread is going to be, that team is going to cover, right? Because yeah. the Chiefs' defense is just going to allow them to allow the other team to stay in the game. The thing about their offense, though, right? Mm-hmm. That Saints team yesterday beats anyone else in the NFL they win that game easily. Oh, yeah. Do you, do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, their defense yeah. is so good. It's just Mahomes making these cheat code plays or yeah. these crazy gimmick plays they had in the red zone at the goal line that yeah. I've never even seen before. Like, legit sure. plays I've never seen before. That flip to Travis Kelsey, never seen that before. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. And it's I just don't... like, where do, you, where do they get these plays? <laughs> what are they doing? And so their offense, that's how we get suckered in every week, or I yep. get suckered in every week, into taking the Chiefs because their offense does things I've never seen before. And yet their defense just, you know, continues yeah. to be like, okay, cool. We'll let guys run free. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody I mean, that... never completes deep passes. <laughs> But yeah, we'll let it happen this week. Well, you did say, right, like at least he could complete a 10-yard pass. And I just thought to myself, Kenny? Kenny? <laughs> um, I actually, you know, like, listen, I like the game more when it was Taysom Hill uh, if we could be getting Ooh. three and a half or four. Because, I, I mean, Drew Brees absolutely stunk, I thought, up until that mm-hmm. last drive, which, of course, saved the day. So it's sort of like 
you know, I remember the Carson Wentz throw to Boston Scott against the Giants there on that Thursday night to save our survivor pick at the time. It was like, everything that's happened in the past, Carson, I don't care. That one throw is all I needed out of you this entire game. And it was sort of the same thing with Breeze at the end. And of course, you know, Kansas City's driving down, they're up seven, and they kick the field goal, and there's still like three, two or three minutes left in the game. And I'm just like, yeah, let's say, like, this is exact. Like, yeah, even though I'm on the Saints, yeah. right? And so I should have all of the negative purview on this. And it's basically to kind of save my day here with regards to how kind of bad uh, certainly the two contest picks went in the one o'clock games, which of course we're going to get to, but it's like when that field goal, you know, goes through, I'm like, yeah, we're actually going to be okay. Like I knew it because I like, this is the chiefs mm-hmm. every single game. And it's like, I had this weird comfort level, of course, when the saints get the ball and they're going down the field and you're wondering, you know, and of course they start talking about, you know, Jim Nance, I believe it was starts talking about, you know, they could, you know, opt for the field goal here. And I'm like, Jim, zip it, buddy, zip it. We are going for the <laughs> touchdown here. And of course, you know, it's, you know, Breeze hits, you know, his best throw, right? His Carson Wentz to Boston Scott moment to little Jordan Humphrey, uh, rookie, you know, out of Texas there that, of course, hadn't seen any playing time and is, and is catching back shoulder throws uh, as if he's been, you know, a star on the team for a really long time. But you're right, like that defense, you know, that was the handicap we talked about on, on Thursday. Like it was going to be the game where Patrick Mahomes was zipping balls around, but they'd be, you know, going wide and, you know, they'd, be getting broken up because that secondary is so good and they're able to play the kind of defense that you have to against the chiefs, right? That's the four, you know, pressure with four dropping back seven. Romo talked about the Mm -hmm. safeties being back, right? Like requiring Mahomes to to throw some check downs. And by the time he thinks to do that, right? Like the pressure can get to him. Now, of course he's incredible at evading the pressure. There was the one where he rolled out to the right and then evaded Cameron Jordan and reset and through. And you're just like, this guy's otherworldly, right? And so as bad as Breeze was in that first half, you know, Cameron Jordan gets thrown out of the game. They miss a two-point conversion that I don't think was all that necessary to be going for, given the fact that it's like, you know, if both teams are going to score 10 to 20 more points, like you probably don't need (laughs) the two-point conversion in the first half. All of those things go sort of against the Saints, and they still manage to get this within three, even though, again, the Chiefs never really in doubt with regards to winning the game. So, like, just, you know, the most standard thing uh, imaginable when it comes to the Chiefs. I think it I, – I honestly think it might be a coaching thing. Like, in terms of – because they're just coaching to win the game, obviously, because yeah. that's what they need to do. Right. But I'm just saying in, in terms of, like, you know – when they need to make a play to score a touchdown or to, do you know what I mean? Like they come up with it when they need to get a first down, they need to get, you know, five yards, they get six. Like that's just, they have a play for all those scenarios. And it's just when they're up a touchdown, as you mentioned, and they're driving down the field, in their minds, they're not really trying to get a touchdown because they don't need a touchdown, right? (laughs) Right. Like we just need points to ice this game. So we're going to, we're going to open up our playbook. We're going to move past our A plays, our B plays, and maybe we'll go to our D plays. Cool. Field goal range. All right, cool. On to next week. Yeah, exactly. Like, why force it? Like, it's good enough. We can get this lead to 10. We can get this lead to 9. You know, anything that, like, if you have the Chiefs or any team in Survivor, like, the first thing I go do is, like, all right, get me a two-score lead so I can breathe. You know? Like, it could be, like, week 10. Yeah. I could have, like... 
you know, who, like the Packers could have the Chiefs, like who, anybody. Uh, it's just like, get me a, a two-score lead so that even some, if something insane happens, some long touchdown, you know, fluke-type thing, at least I can breathe. And that's sort of how they play. And honestly, like, it, it's not just the Chiefs. It's, we, we focus on the Chiefs because it's so funny because they're literally so good that they're, of course, favored every week. They have big leads every week. But, like, that's just how the NFL works. So the one thing to take away is, like, it's a different team each week doing that exact same thing, but we don't focus on that other team because, you know, the next week they'll lose or they'll be an underdog or we don't have sort of as high expectations, right? So, like, if you look at the Packers, which I think is still the team that is the closest equivalent to the Chiefs at this point, both from a stylistic standpoint and just a general quality standpoint, you know, if again, if you know, we always bring it up, or I always bring it up because it's still scarring, but, like, if Aaron Jones doesn't break off that run, the last three weeks, the Packers will have not covered, right, very Chiefsy by having like a big lead and then just letting the team linger around, never really being in, de- in doubt at any point, right? Like Carolina, obviously, they yeah. had that game one in the first half. They don't end up covering the number by a half point. Week before that, Detroit, right? They don't cover the number by a point and a half or a half point there. Yeah, it was a half point. So again, like these half points add up, uh, you know, to not cover these games. And that's why Green Bay is overvalued. It's not like they're overrated as a team. I still think they're obviously a really good team. Same thing I do with the, with the Chiefs. It's like when you're going to be handing out extra half points here and there on key numbers, this is what is going to happen. And, you know, there's, you know, we'll get to some of these other games here where it's like, oh yeah, this other team like came in and they didn't cover, but they led the whole way. It's like, yeah, like they Chiefs did. They, they Packers did, but it was like their week to do it because they're not good enough to do it every single week or at least have the opportunity to do it every single week. So, um, again, that's just the NFL, right? That's the magnetism back towards a tie that this league provides. Uh, let's, let's stay in the four o'clocks because there's a couple of other di- sort of headliners here in the four o'clocks and the one o'clocks were just kind of a bummer on a couple of different levels. Philly and Arizona, I thought... Really good game, but the classic example of a game that was not a seven-point game, right? So, like, when you're laying the six-and-a-half there with Arizona, and again, like, you know, I was on Philadelphia. I've been fading Arizona the last two weeks. It hasn't worked out in one case because Daniel Jones is hobbling around. And in this case, just sort of football stuff, right? Like, just the way the scoring happens. Like, that wasn't a seven-point game yesterday, but they cover by a half number because they get the touchdown with DeAndre Hopkins pulling in on third down, by the way, right? In a situation where they would have taken the field goal to go up three, he pulls down this insane catch. And so now they're up seven. And then, of course, Philadelphia goes down and is unable to match that. Dallas Goddard looks like he's caught a pass for like third and 21. And then, of course, they replay it. And, of course, no, he hasn't. But it's like that's the difference between tie game you know, probably going to overtime or being a field goal game and all the, you know, plus six and a half all cash to nope, Arizona cash, you know, and it's like, it's not a seven point difference that one play, you know, or in this case, it actually physically was, it just, you know, you would never sort of build that into your handicap. So uh, Jalen Hurts, outstanding. Well, Jalen Hurts, yeah. well, J- Hurts hit Goddard on what? Third and twenty-one, yeah. and then fourth and twenty-one, and Goddard couldn't come up with either. Of them. Exactly, it's just like that's that's a tough place to be. But also, 
watching Jalen Hurts, my guy was just making plays. And if not just for – he had one horrible play, obviously, early on, which cost him some points. But the Cardinals getting out to that lead. But then you could tell once the game settled down, like the sure. Eagles' defense was all over them, right? Mm-hmm. Hurts was able to make plays. He was making some crazy plays. He had the one where he dropped the – like even on the, the drive where they're trying to make the final comeback here. Mm-hmm. And my guy drops the snap, picks it back up, <laughs> yeah. still able to find – I forget who it was, but, you know, like crazy play. Like that was in any given Sunday, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like that doesn't happen in real life. Like what? I know. But Hurts is out here making plays, and it was just – a great performance by him. And you almost feel bad that, you know, it came down to basically a hail Mary at the end to, and it's just, you're watching that team and the whole, all I could think of is what would their season have been like if they went to Jalen Hurts sooner? Yeah. I mean, just because he's not making the Carson Wentz mistakes. Right. And you look at all these things and I know this is a a quote unquote loss as I was on the Eagles as well, Mm -hmm. but you're looking at the game, and as you just said, I'd still rather be on that side, right? Like yeah. that is to me, anyways. Mm-hmm. That's the right side to be on watching that game, and I, I I couldn't help but think how many times I was so frustrated by Carson Wentz this whole season. <laughs> it's like, see, this is all you needed to do. Just don't do the fuckery, and they're in the game. Yeah, and you see, like the rest of the team too, right? Like uplifted or just sort of feeling that they're in. Mm-hmm any game because like the Carson Wentz version of that Eagles team when they go down 16 to nothing and it's on a blocked punt and of course by the way right like the punters out and now you've got the you know Zach Ertz is holding for field goals and like I'm not even blaming Zach Ertz because of course like god forbid the long snapper give him a decent snap on that one extra point Mm -hmm. I don't know listen Eric like you go okay Philly should have been up one right which means when DeAndre Hopkins catches that pass which all things would have still happened, right? They were still going to try to get a touchdown. They're still going to throw that pass, all of that sort of things, yeah. right? Then they would have just gone for two to try to make it a seven-point game. But it was one of those things where it's like, uh, I think I'd rather just at least see if they get the two-point conversion in that situation <laughs> rather than just be, oh, they just have to kick the extra point to go up seven. Like, I, I would like to see the sort of 50-50 element of the two-point conversion there because if, it's a, you know, if they don't get the two-point conversion and it's a five-point game, again, the rest of the game goes the same way with regards to the Eagles needing a touchdown late, but we're, still, we're just sitting there you know, with our plus six and a halves on a five-point lead Right. And it's like uh, we sort of had that two point conversion element taken away from us because the long snapper couldn't get the ball to Ertz. And of course, he's not, you know, experienced enough to be able to like short hop at like a second baseman, you know, trying to tag out a runner, um, you know, and able to make that play. And of course, it costs us the cover or potentially costs us the cover there. But yeah, like when they go down 16 to nothing and it's like, oh, yeah, like every other Eagles team. I love man. Twitter on NFL Sunday is the funniest thing on earth right it's like people (laughs) writing these teams off in the first quarter second quarter like deciding that these games are over as if they have never watched the nfl before (laughs) and as if like it's like we it's every week every sunday we all do the exact same thing we all watch all of these games and like the idea that any of these games are over in the first quarter because one team's up 16 to nothing and by the way like it's the underdog so like if we're watching these games and betting on them which like pretty much all of us are um, you know, then you still go like it's still like ten points. All you need is ten points to get this thing back under the number. Yeah. And when you watch like a punt block, you can't be like, oh well, this team's toast because like they can't get a punt 
off. It's like, well, if they're getting dominated offensively or defensively or one side of the ball, that's going to be more you know, prominent. That's one thing, but like, you just kind of have to sort of shrug off the punt block and realize that, you know, this version of the Eagles here with Jalen Hurts is trying, right? They're trying their hearts out here. And I don't know if that was necessarily the case with Carson Wentz because they knew there was just nothing. There was no sort of short-term <laughs> future, really, right? Like, it's like, okay, so we get the – Oh, yeah. What if we get in the playoffs? And it's like, okay, you're just going to get trashed by some team. Like, I think this team, if it gets into the playoffs, like, it's kind of an interesting team, obviously, right? Like, going against the Cardinals, it's like Cardinals are an alleged playoff team, too. So it's like, why couldn't this, <laughs> you know, like, why couldn't this Eagles team yeah. do some sort of damage with the home game against the five seed come playoff time? It doesn't, you know, that loss yesterday, of course, doesn't, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, doesn't give them that much of a chance yeah. here going forward because now they have to uh, do some pretty serious work to get into the playoffs. And then the final 4 o'clock game, the supposed afterthought game. Now, I don't think because of these <laughs> other two games that we just talked about that it was like, all right, this, is, you know, this thing jumped to the lead in the game that you had to watch. It was more just like, oh, I have to pay attention to this third game all the way through mm-hmm. as the Jets the Jets with the easiest cover of the day, right? Like, you know, by the end of the first quarter, you're like, oh, plus 17, plus 18 and a half is good, or 18 is good. I didn't have either. I didn't have a red cent on this game. Couldn't even muster a prop for this one. So, you know, (laughs) just by sort of the fact that I was neutral or whatever, you know, I apologize to the Jets because, you know, I said I didn't trust Sam Darnold to throw over 200 yards, and I'm still not even sure he did. Um, But... You know, obviously, I didn't even trust that. I was like, I'm going to need 18 points because, like, they might get a field goal. And, of course, uh, they scored. They scored on the first drive of the game. 207. Right? Like, again. 207 for Sam Darnold. <laughs> 207, okay. Um, yeah, and so, like, they score on the first drive of the game, which they always do. They literally have eight straight games where they score on the first drive. The Jets. And this is finally That's one. That's an insane stat. Yeah. And this is finally one that they convert. And, of course, it's absolute survivor murder. Uh, I roughly, I think the number is about 20%, right? 20% of, uh, you know, where, wherever you are in your survivor pool, right? Whether it's Circa Survivor, who, you know, had 80 some odd people left, well, 16 had the Rams, um, other pools, you know, I know that one that, you know, you and I are sort of affiliated with had 32 left, uh, and I think lost, what, eight yesterday, something along those lines? Something along, something. Yeah, like so it's you know about a quarter you can sort of expect uh, from this. So kind of you know that's sort of the big takeaway because you know listen, like you're not going to. I don't know how many people necessarily had the Jets money line, and the one thing that I sort of want to <laughs> mention here is with regards to like the books, right? Like you'll see different tweets, and it's like, oh, Jets money line ten to one, eleven to one. Like this person hit that, you know, you know they'll ask the bookmaker the manager over there like oh like how bad was that for a loss and he's like oh not that bad at all because a bunch of people can go ahead and bet that at 10 to 1 and the thing is they're going to get that money back on live betting because everybody is going to hammer the rams at some point right like the 10 point lead the 17 point lead in the first half like nobody's buying into that uh, including in a lot of cases yeah. the sports book, right? Because they're they're doling out plus one fifty, they're doling out plus two hundred, this sort of thing for a Rams comeback. People are like, yeah, I'll take that. And so when the Jets mm-hmm. win, yeah, they have to pay out the ten to one on the money line, but they're doing it with all of the money that everybody just poured <laughs> in live 
on the Rams to win the game. So it's obviously a little bit different than it was like 25 years ago when there was sort of no way to recoup that. But like sportsbooks know that they can yeah. recoup that in that situation. So, uh, but you survived because you're using Tennessee as uh, I'm going to say as part of uh, the yes. window um, survivor plan, but it's probably just your own plan, but we'll pretend like uh, you've been following along with, uh, <laughs> with, what, with, yes. with what we do. Yes. Yes, of course. Uh, yeah. It really came down to that or the Ravens yesterday. And I was kind of like, uh, I don't know what to do with the Jags and I'll save the Ravens for next week for more options. Yeah. yeah so next week. That's uh, that kind of the plan. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's part of the, uh, the window survivor plan too. So uh, you're, you're, you're lockstep. Uh, let's get to the early games here because uh, there's always sort of one game where I just want to, I'm just ready to absolutely lose it on the podcast by Monday. And sometimes I still, it's fair. I, sometimes I still have the burning desire. This one's a little bit less um, maybe because it was a one o'clock game and not a four o'clock game where it's like, I have that extra three hours mm -hmm. to not lose my uh, SH uh, New England and the Miami Dolphins. So the handicap in this game is Miami oh. can't move the ball. Right, they can't. They, you know, they have. They struggle to move the ball at the best of times, and then the injury report comes out, and you know you can sort of see it throughout the week. Like Devontae Parker probably not going to play. Mike Gesicki even less likely to play, and then Jakeem Grant. Right, and so now you're rolling out there. This Dolphins offense, which is essentially like the fourth quarter of a preseason type offense from a personnel standpoint, right? Like God bless this Ahmed guy, yeah. uh, but you're getting like Durham Smythe as the number one passing you know, the tight end option, uh, Lynn Bowden. And listen, like, I'm well aware of Lynn Bowden's history, like, dragging Kentucky to victories last year as a wide receiver who had to play quarterback. And, like, they would just snap the ball directly back to him. He would run around, and, like, they would win games because he was so good. So, like, I get Lynn Bowden more than most people, right? Same thing with Malcolm Perry and his days at Navy. But, like, this is the NFL here. Right. Like, how are these guys producing a victory? And you see the line move. Right. It comes from, you know, Miami minus three early in the week comes all the way through to New England, end up ending up closing as a favorite once game time hit. And it, Chan Gailey, the offensive coordinator here for the Dolphins, Jeez. Chan Gailey, yeah. right? Like coach of the Cowboys 20 years ago, like failed coach of the Cowboys, failed essentially everywhere he's gone is somehow still an offensive coordinator in the NFL. He absolutely like pantses Bill Belichick and the Patriots defense. And not in like a, oh, he had a bunch of really good schemes in a way that like, you know what? We're yeah. just going to run the ball for 250 yards against your lazy, like, totally checked out defense that you couldn't motivate even though you were still in a playoff you know sort of on the outside looking in but in a playoff race here going against a division rival who's also in a playoff race that has spoiled various things for you including last year yeah. by the way right like that knocked the Patriots out of a bye and had them playing Tennessee in the first round like all of these things that should motivate this team and they and they get ran but 250 yards, like they're running their biggest offensive play or their sort of most reliable offensive throwing play is 
that play where the tight end, you know, they fake the run and the tight end just moves sort of laterally, like he's going along the, the line of scrimmage towards the sideline and has to catch the pass. Yeah. Right? It's like the worst play in all of football. Like every time anybody runs it, you're like, okay, that's at best a gain of one yard because like the tight end has to catch it, turn his body around, like slow down and then head up field. Yeah. And in any NFL situation, like there's somebody there to absolutely drill this guy for a one yard gain or a one yard loss, depending on the throw. Well, like Durham Smythe, your boy, was just eating on these play- <laughs> on this play. Like it was like the Patriots had never seen it before, and it's like the most basic stuff is beating the Patriots. And even then, even then, they're up mm-hmm. nine to seven, right? In a game that like we expected to be low scoring, we expected to be really ugly. We expected the Patriots to do the things to get, you know you know, the extra yardage, right? The hidden yardage, the hidden points, all of these, all of these sort of cliches that like, that's what the Patriots do. And they're still up nine to seven. They could force a field goal here, by the way, right? Like we're at plus two and a half, we're at plus one and a half. A one point loss is totally fine. And it's third down and we get the corner blitz and JC Jackson, maybe the most overrated player in the NFL, even though not a lot of people even know who that is because like I'm watching a game, (laughs) like I believe it was the Jets game, the Monday nighter, where they're like, yeah, J.C. Jackson, like, one of the top-rated, you know, corners in the league, and then we just watch him get burned the entire game by Joe Flacco, only until he actually makes an interception at the end of that game. But then he comes in on this corner blitz, and for whatever reason, even though Tua's not even throwing in his direction to where he's coming, he leaps in the air to sort of try to bat down a pass that's never coming in his direction, where if he just runs and hits Tua, it's it's going to be a sack. They're going to kick the field goal. It's going to be 10 to nine in the fourth quarter. And we're going to have this sort of junky game here the rest of the way where it's kind of like, it feels like it's going to be either dolphins win by one or Patriots win by two. Well, he completely whiffs. Cause again, of course he does. Like, why are you leaving your feet in this situation? <laughs> like what? Like I'm just sitting there just yelling. That's so bad. Like over and over and over. And of course, Tua who doesn't even really see this, right? Like he doesn't see the blitz. Like they've, they've done it. They've tricked him and he just sort of slides a little bit and then takes off. And of course they can't tackle him. He gets into the end zone. And now, right. Like the touchdown, one touchdown in this game flips. Yeah. Flips everything. And like breaks this game wide open where it's like, now you need the Patriots to score a touchdown. And of course, like they're turning the ball over and like on third and four, they've decided to go with a pass play, which was like, it was honestly, it was like the Giants version of the punter to the long snapper play, except for it was Cam Newton was throwing the ball. Like he threw it like a punter would. And the long snapper might have actually been the longest, some guy number 44, I don't even remember his last name, but I was just screaming. I'm like, 44 is your answer on third and four? And then they go and they kick the field goal, right? They're down six and they kick a field goal down three on fourth and four yeah. and you're just like what and of course later on the game for those who had the teaser number which is actually even more of an atrocity oh yeah that's right like it's they've got they've got fourth <laughs> and four again they got fourth and four again you're like okay well you guys yeah. went for it when you were down six you absolutely have to have to go for it uh or you know like or ha- you know have to kick it here like because you've kicked it before yeah. like and they go for it in this situation. And you're like, Bill Belichick can't even keep this thing straight, man. Like, he can't even make these decisions in a consistent yeah. way. And so whether it's Joe Judge going for it on fourth down, sometimes he's punting, uh, you know, like down 17, he's punting on fourth and 10. He's, you know, doing all this, all this stuff. It's like, well, it doesn't matter. Joe Judge, Bill Belichick, like it's no longer 
except Bill Belichick, right? Because everything was blah, 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 except Bill Belichick. He's the guy who knows what he's doing. Like, just a completely lifeless performance from that Patriots team. Belichick's checked out. I wouldn't be surprised to see Cam Newton have seen his, frankly, his last game maybe in the entire NFL, because I don't know why you would necessarily start him in these last two games. And I don't know why. If no team was willing to, to sign Cam Newton before this season, like, why would you ever sign him now, right? He is super mega washed here at this point. Um, you know, normally we talk about these games earlier, you know, Tuesday, whatever, like early to talk about them for next week. But I'll tell you right now, give me whatever number. The Bills are going to absolutely truck this Patriots team, given what I saw yesterday and, frankly, the, yeah. the, the day before that. So, um, you know, again, that's my rant for the day here. Uh, that was just atrocious. <laughs> it did look bad for New England. And, yeah, after Gilmore gets hurt, which looked very yeah. bad for them. But also, you know, Gilmore going down and then the fumble at yes. the field, that was kind of where it was like, okay, this is going to take a bad turn here for the Pats because you kind of know the game plan by mm-hmm. now, right? Like, you know, I had someone message me about, oh, you should never bet on Cam Newton. And I'm like, the Patriots haven't been betting on Cam Newton, even though he's been <laughs> starting. They haven't been letting right. him do anything, right? So, and and rightfully so. But the point is, you kind of know, like, when you're betting on the Patriots this season, you know what they're going to attempt to do. And it's going to be a power football, run the, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, manage the clock, keep your offense on the sidelines, low-scoring game. That's how right. they're going to do it. When you're making turnovers and setting up field position, basically putting the team in a position where if you get one first down, you're going to get yeah. points – that's not good for a Patriots offense that just can't score that much. So that was kind well, of and the, the game. And like the, but that's the thing, right? Like you're like, yeah, okay, they're going to run the ball. Dolphins run defense is really bad. Sony Michelle ripping off like six yards per carry, but only had 10 carries in that game. Like what is that about, yeah. right? Like he's been on the shelf the entire season. Yeah. Like let's try him for 15 carries. Let's get loose and try him for 20 carries here. Like watching Cam Newton drop yeah. back and take the incredibly slow transition step forward, right? It's like, from him to going from back to forward, it's like I could time it with a sundial at this point, right? And so it's like, you know, like, Sony Michelle's actually cooking here a little bit. Let's try him more than just 10 times to sort of co- go with this game plan. And you see them, like, it got called back, but, like, Miami's pulling fake punts on them, and, like, you know, to, to yeah. success only gets called back because obviously there's some, you know, procedure issue uh, with regards to reporting or whatever. But like that is not supposed to happen to the Patriots, right? Like that stuff is supposed to be buttoned up, and that's the sign. And like, yeah, you mentioned, uh, you know, Gilmore going out, but it's like, okay, but like he's the shutdown corner, but like there's not even anybody on the Dolphins to shut down. There's no one to shut cares. down. <laughs> like you know what the issue is. It's the nope. issues they're handing it to Ahmed here, who's just running up the middle, and like nobody's bothering to tackle him. Like the funniest play of the entire game, and this is just anecdotal more than anything else. But like Bowden, they run this like double reverse or whatever, and Bowden ends up getting the ball, and he's like running around and around and around, and like he gets, and it's just like back and forth, back and forth, and then he finally like gets tackled, and he signals like first down, 
and like he's two yards short of the first down like it's second like he got eight <laughs> but like he ran for so long like I don't even blame him because he ran and he ran yeah. and he ran he yeah. had to assume he ran so much that he got the 10 yards because like the yeah. Patriots couldn't tackle like they just refused to tackle anybody so like he does this great work evading all these different tacklers only for eight yards and he's so proud of himself because the Patriots are so terrible that he signals for first down it's like nope second and two but that's all you need to know about the Patriots defense so like that's my, that's a rant from from my standpoint oh, yeah. um listen I could go again here on this next game but they're your squad San Francisco and the Dallas Cowboys here and I know like listen oh. You've given up on the season, so, like, you're not actually going to, like, be like, oh, I can't believe this is happening or whatever. Yeah. But, like, you watch that game, and, of yeah. course, this is the game. And there's always one, right, where it's, like, you know, as much as, like, the Patriots game was incredibly frustrating, it was frustrating from a fourth quarter on standpoint. Like, it was fine for three quarters. It was exactly sort of how mm-hmm. we expected it to be, with the exception of the Dolphins' ability to move the ball, like, 90-yard drives. In this case, San Francisco, right, fumble on a, on a punt return, you know, Nick Mullins fumble, which is, yeah. like, you know, I guess you could sort of say pretty standard. We did say like, <laughs> yeah, like we did say, we did say like, you know, oh, the Cowboys yeah. aren't going to be able to force turnovers. Well, Nick Mullins is here to tell me wrong uh, in, in that case. But like it's 14 to nothing right at the blink of an eye. And so you just go, OK, let me just light this handicap on fire here because it's thrown out the window. And of course, this mm-hmm. game ends up being 17-7 late in, I believe it was the third quarter. And yeah, because San Francisco is yeah. better than Dallas, like they were able to run the ball over all over Dallas, even down 14. Problem is because they were down 14. Now your man's Nick, Nick Mullins is in the mix. Has to he has to do stuff. stuff, right? Like you're yeah. going to throw a little bit yeah. and throwing it a little bit turns into interception here, fumble there. And then of course, you know, Mostert goes out and you're like, yeah. okay, well, at least they have Jeff Wilson. And then, he goes out for a period of time as well. And now it's Tevin Coleman, and he's clearly washed at this point. Like, the injuries have caught up to him because you're, you're seeing Wilson and you're seeing Mostert, like, flying, you know, on these angled runs. And then Coleman's mm-hmm. like, I got tackled for two yards because, like, he just doesn't have the speed, right? Like, you see, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just the not the same. And then, of course, Shanahan, like, he opts to – and okay, whatever, like, you tie the game at 17. But fourth and one – like, this is game situation stuff. It's the same thing that we talked about with going for two with the Saints, where it's like, guys, clue in here. You know that this game's going into the 30s here. It's not field goal time. <laughs> it's fourth and one. Like, you got to at least go for it in this situation. But this is but this is where the lack of trust in Nick Mullins to even just manage a snap and hand <laughs> off the ball, you don't want to risk it. And I know that sounds that yeah. sounds sad, but considering my guys' yeah. work the past few weeks, right? It's kind of like you know what? Anytime we can have him, I, I, what was the quote? I'm gonna mess up the quote, even though it sounded, it sounds ridiculous okay. in itself. He said something to the effect of, "I like where he's throwing the ball." I just don't like the throws. Yeah. Well, because he's got a shitty arm. Think about that first. It was something. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yes, right? But how does your coach come out and say that? He's basically saying, yeah, like he knows the plays and stuff. The plays that I yeah. drop are pretty good. Totally. Right? And, he, and we've got him finally making the right decisions. But he yeah, just. Because the throws are late. <laughs> like that's basically yeah, the throws are saying. late, right? And I'm not yeah. saying he's wrong. But yeah. He, I'm not saying he's wrong, but you can't say that I mean, in the public, in front of the media. I mean, 
Right? It, it, Nick it's, Mullins. It's, but they're, that's where you get in to this position where you're you're like, you know what? Anytime I can minimize the, the chances of him right. messing up, I'm going to do that and just kick the field goal. And so I, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. I know it sucks. It really, really <laughs> does suck. I yeah, I, listen, I don't blame the other thing, okay. hold on, hold on. There's one other thing. There's one other thing. If I had known that Zeke was sitting out, I would have been Honestly, on the Cowboys. Yeah. Because I've been waiting. I've been waiting all yeah. season long. There's even a moment where I had uh, Pollard on my fantasy sure. roster bench just waiting because I'm like, oh, Zeke's going to mail in this season. Soon enough, it's coming. He's going to fake the injury because he just looks so yeah. bad this season. No, he- and then it came, and then Pollard's like busting off these runs, and I'm like, uh, yeah, he's he hasn't been available on in my league for like literally all season because the guy who has Zeke has eyes, and he knows that Zeke's washed up, but like he has to keep <laughs> running Zeke out there on his fantasy team, right? Because like you're not, yeah. you can't really bench yeah. him. You certainly can't put Pollard in because he's not getting enough carries. So it's like you would need a completely other human being exactly. to come in. But, like, for his fantasy team and sort of the Cowboys in general, yeah. Like, it's the Michael Lombardi quote, right? They're one injury away from being a good team. In this case, that one injury is Zeke Elliott. And so, like, <laughs> Sunday I do the show and I see that, you know, I, you know, I'm following the lines, right? And I'm doing the show. And so I don't necessarily have, like, Twitter open and I'm able to, like, catch the injury updates. And all week it looked like Zeke was going to play. Yeah. And I watch the line. It's, you know, and Sunday morning goes to three and a half. And I'm like, okay, so people are seeing the same thing that I'm seeing here. And listen, I still don't even think the, ca- the handicap was wrong. But when you st- spot a team 14 points no. in the first quarter, like, that's an uphill battle. When it was tied, I still thought the, the 49ers were going to win that game. I just thought we might be looking at a push. And so... You know, I go on the show and it goes mm-hmm. up to three and a half, goes up to four. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, you know, like people are on top of this, you know, 49ers here, like sharp money, blah, 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 blah. And then like, I, you know, send, I publish the show and I go on Twitter and I catch up and it's like, surprise, like Zeke Elliott not playing Pollard in. And I'm like, oh my God, did the line just move off of three because Zeke Elliott's out? Like that can't be a thing in 2020 so like yeah you're right like if it had been zeke's out the line is on tuesday is plus four you know i would have been like yeah okay that's the thing you know because you're always looking and and this is the takeaway right you're always looking for something that the market doesn't know and in the nfl it's really really difficult to find those things and only a couple of times even a week will you even have that and you have to sort of trust your instinct with this stuff and in this case It's Zeke's washed up, Pollard's much better. Now, again, they only win that game because of the turnovers. And, of course, that has nothing to do with Elliott or Pollard, except for the fact that maybe if Elliott's in the game, you know, he's prone to a fumble or two, right? So maybe he would give one or two back or whatever. But, like, yeah, they're better with Pollard. Like, Pollard is a better player. He's a more more explosive, explosive player. He's better at catching the ball out of the backfield. Like, all of these things that he did at Memphis, he just does better than Zeke Elliott at this point in time, right? Like, Zeke doesn't have the speed or the will to sort of just run people over here at this point in time. So, yeah, I was like, oh, no. Like, the, the market moved on Elliott. Like, that's really bad. Like, that is really bad, a bad sign, yeah. both for our bet and for just sort of everything involved in that game. So incredibly frustrating. Obviously, things got super weird at the end there, but had no real effect when it comes to the spread. It was just like San Francisco, right? Like, of course, short, short drives for Dallas to score those early touchdowns held up for a while there, right? But again, 
constant short fields from Mullins, and then eventually you're just going to crack Andy Dalton, right? Like a couple of third downs where like he pulls something out of his ass yeah. with like CD Lamb deep, like the one guy yeah. on the Cowboys, you know, I'm as good as Pollard was, right? The one guy in the passing game that like next level right now is CD Lamb. He is so good, and Dalton knows him. And it's like, why don't you just keep passing it to CD Lamb? <laughs> right, right. It's like I don't know, I don't know what other plays you got there, Dalton, but uh, it might just be throwing yeah. it for that guy. Yeah, he's going to get open and he's going to break a tackle. Uh, next one up, uh, Tampa Bay and Atlanta. In just like the most both of these teams, right? Like just the most both of these teams, right? Like obviously, you know, I don't know. Do you oh. want to start with the late game? tomfoolery and shenanigans with regards to the officiating or do we want to we should maybe just take this from the top right like tampa sucks tampa sucks like they suck right like you're right (laughs) you're watching this game it's like the first half like i i went on the show and i was like uh, giving out props and stuff and it's like tom brady is his passing yards total is 312 and a half like over under that number i'm like what how could that possibly be now of course game script Turns out that that's, of course, a rel- you know a reasonable number because he's going to have to throw for a billion yards in the second half because he was at 70 yards at halftime. And I'm just like, yeah, like, why would the number be three, three, 312 and a half for a guy who's thrown for 70 yards here? And it's not surprising me in the least. What was surprising was that the red zone Falcons offense was actually decent. And they've got the 17-point lead. But because, of course, they're the Falcons, the NFC version of the Chargers, just less fun, like, they, of course, blow that game in in classic Falcon fashion. And then, of course, into the game. Now you've got Matt Ryan just looking like Eli Eli Manning at the end of his career, right? Where it's like you just brush up against his arm and he topples over. You know, fourth down, they actually complete a pass. And it's funny because, like, the way the clock works in the NFL is has so much to do with whether or not these teams uh, cover a spread. So I want to sort of paint the picture because it was sort of an underrated thing. But there's two minutes yeah. and ten seconds left in the game. Falcons have no timeouts. And it's fourth down. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, if Matt Ryan and company here can run a play, I don't even care if they get the first down. If they can run a play to get to the two-minute warning, if it if they don't get the first down, mm-hmm. the, the Bucks can then kneel the rest of the way. But if it, the play stops before the two-minute yeah. warning, that's, of course, going to be a timeout that the clock is going to stop after the first down, and the Bucks are going to actually have to run plays here, which means they're, at the sort of very least, probably going yeah. to kick a field goal. And, you know, I had seven, goal. so that would have been a push for me, but I was cheering against the contest line, which is five and a half, and all of that sort of thing. Well, the play takes eight seconds. And I wasn't, you know, like I didn't have a ton of hope that a 10-second play was going to happen because that is kind of long. And if it is a 10-second play, it usually means there's a first down because obviously they're running for, you know, longer than eight or 10 yards. And, of course, you know, the guy gets tackled and it's 2.02 left on the clock. And I was just like, damn it, it's like so close to getting to the two-minute warning. (laughs) And, of course, sure enough, right, the Bucks do the thing where they run the ball a bunch of times, but the clock obviously stops after the first down run. And, of course, the third down run, right? Like, he doesn't get remotely close to the first down marker. Like, not even close. he doesn't. And I'm watching it. I turned it off. Like, I seriously, like, stopped paying attention because I was just like, really? 
of course they're going to kick a field goal and cover this spread. Like, cause all I was saying was, I think midway through the yeah. game, I think I tweeted out, okay, Falcons, <laughs> I get what you're going to do here, but can you please yeah. just cover six and a half points? Like we yeah, all I see what's going to happen here, but just cover six and a half points. That's not, that's not too difficult for you to do considering you were up. What was it? 20, yeah. 24 to seven. Yeah. That was, that was that was the, the lead. lead. And it's like, you can cover, you can not lose by a touchdown, right? You can lose, just don't lose by a touchdown. And so in that moment, when it happens, I'm just like, I, like, I got nothing. I have no words. I have no words. Not even paying attention to it anymore. Well, they go and they measure. It's it's, right. And then like the measurement, it's still short. Like you can talk to me about camera angles and all of that, but like there were multiple (laughs) camera angles showing that it was short. And so like, I don't, is that so that has the to be way, reviewable, right? Well, the the way that I found out about it was no, no, no. Well, the way that I found out about it was because Red Zone showed it, and one of the replays they showed was the spotter yeah. puts the ball down, and then as he puts the ball down, they kind of like knock it <laughs> forward a little to make it look even yeah. a little closer. Like that was the way that I saw, it. and I was like, <laughs> hold on, wait, what happened here? And so because it was under right. two minutes or whatever, right. it becomes an automatic review. And then so they review it and they still don't have enough to overturn it because of where it's just like, wait a second here. Wait, what just happened? And like then... I was so confused and I turned it off. I, I was like, I turned it off and, and red zone's trying to explain it, but obviously it's right. not that big of a deal sure. red zone wise. So they yes. just moved off it so quickly. And I'm like, wait, yeah. And meanwhile, like people here? all over the land Absolutely. are just like, on the edge here because and it's funny because like they they show the you know they show the replay a bunch of times right everybody in the booth weighs in and this at like this might have been the weekend the all-time weekend because there was a fumble also in that dallas game right where they end up stripping dalton and like that was a travesty of a review and like this was the weekend for announcing teams and like bringing in Pereira or like whoever the cbs guy is and it's like uh oh Okay, well, uh, we're all wrong about that one because we all thought the same way as like we did at home, and like I guess that's not the call. Like that was literally happening like every in every single game. And the funny thing is, like while they're talking about it, though, they're like, okay, this is going to be short, and then the the sweat becomes, are we going to do a Tom Brady sneak? And like I felt like you know who knows, right? But like I felt like they were going to do that, right? I don't think they were going to kick the field goal because like maybe the, the kick gets blocked. Yeah. And even then, like they, you're giving Atlanta the ball with still a yeah. fair amount of time left and still only one possession, all of that sort of, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I still think he, they were going to, you know, sneak the ball. Now, what if Tom doesn't uh, get the sneak, doesn't get the first down? Now Atlanta's got the ball and it turns into like a pitchy, pitchy, woo-woo situation from Cleveland. And now, like, you know, there might even yeah. be a touchdown. Like all of these things, like I'm, I'm foreseeing in my head here. So it's like, I was delighted, right? Like, I was delighted that they're like, yep, first down, game over. I was like, cool by me, everybody. Cool by me. So, like, it went our way. And I should, you know, should probably have prefaced all of this by saying, like, this isn't bitter because this went our way. This is just like this. This is the Plinko. This is the musical chairs that we're dealing with with regards to this league that, like, even reviewing stuff, we can't get it right. Um, Anyway. On to the next one. Um, the one that I'm most kicking myself for not rating a little bit higher, i.e. putting in as a circa million contest play, Chicago plus three. And this is one where, again, we talk about the Dallas Cowboys, the Pollard versus Zeke thing. This is the Bears 
all of a sudden are this team that like, if you know, you know, because like, this is a different bears team. And it was like all week people are like, the Vikings are better. Like the line should be higher than three. Like I'm getting value on my number. All like the numbers maker guys out there were like, I'm getting value on my number. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, first of all, I don't know that the Vikings are better. And two, like this bears team's actually kind of (laughs) decent offensively. And it might even be the strength of their team at this point, as sort of insane as that is. And so when you're going to have success betting against spreads, betting into markets, right. And of course the NFL, the theoretically the most efficient market, Mm -hmm. maybe in the entire world, not even just in sports, like you have to be able to trust the stuff that you see that is giving you that advantage, that edge, right? Whether it's Zeke Elliott being washed up or whether that it's Mitch Trubisky, yeah. not as bad as people think. And this was sort of a blown opportunity. It was still a best bet, right? It was still one of the yeah. things that we cashed on, but it was just a missed opportunity to uh, get a circa million play uh, on the board here because it was one that I was just like, I think Chicago wins this game. I think they're, they're better than the Vikings. We talked about the lack of home field when it comes to the Vikings being actually a negative for them. And so, yeah, that one I'm kicking myself, even though we won, like we won that game and it's still, uh, that's the NFL, right? Kind of annoys you even when you win the game. Yeah, right there with you. And it does look like a completely different team ever since Trubisky has been brought back in. And I don't know what it is. I mean, all of a sudden, the running game yeah. has become beast mode again with Montgomery and can't stop that. And it's just like, okay, where was – like, he was still yeah. playing the whole time, right? Like, <laughs> what what happened here? What's what's going on? Yeah. Uh, the NFL, right? The Bears, no matter what they're going to do, 8-8 eight and eight finish or whatever. Somewhere yeah, and I'm already there, excited to talk week. about it on your show on, <laughs> on Thursday with regards to the Bears this weekend. Um, Seattle and Washington here. And this is what I mean by – you know, all, you know, Kansas City does Kansas City, right? Like they do the thing where they just never cover. Green Bay, with the exception of the Aaron Jones run, does the thing where they just never cover. Seattle isn't necessarily in that position every single week, but like they chiefs it, right? They Packers it this week, right? Where it's like yeah. Haskins can't do anything. And in the first yeah. quarter, I'm literally trying to figure out ways to fade Haskins without trusting the Seahawks to actually score more points. And so I land, I ended up grabbing the team total under on Washington. Right. Because I was like, I just don't think like, I'm like, how is Washington going to score? And I look it up and the live team total 17, uh, 16 and a half, I think it was. And so I'm like, yeah, 16 and a half. Yes, sure. That's more than zero. So like, I'm good. I will take that. And of course, in the first half, like it looks for all the world, like that's going to be an easy win. But that in and of itself comes down to a two point conversion at the end, right? As it goes 20 to 15, they come all the way back. They get in under the five and a half, under the six and a half, right? In a game that again was 20 to three, which is insane, but it's like they chased it. But it's because, you know, the Seahawks will play next week and it'll be some different scenario. And like maybe they're, I don't even know who they play, but like maybe they're favored, maybe they don't, they're not. But, like, they don't have the same responsibility that the Chiefs and the Packers have every week. And so you just sort of brush this off. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so exactly. Yeah, like, so there's not going to be a situation where you're like, you know, oh, they were up 20 and, like, they got, you know, nipped at the end because that game is essentially going to be a pick uh, in Seattle, right? Like, they might be favored by a point or two, but it's not going to be significant in the same way that, like, these lines that keep, you know, biting people – 
are. And so this is one that was an incredibly popular pick from a society standpoint, from a contest standpoint, and somehow Washington covers and the NFL does it again. So I don't really have a ton to say about this game other than just like weird, you know, because like it kind of was how it played out. Yeah, other than, other than, hey, Russ, could you cook a little more? <laughs> yeah. Just a little. That's right. Just, just something more. Because, again, Haskins wasn't doing no. anything. It was, and I don't understand it, but at the same time, I will say the Seahawks are the team where I kind of look at it and I'm like, nope, that's on me. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. that's on me. Yeah. Even though it was a weird number of five and a half, because I always look at the five and a half numbers always tells me that some, like, it's a level of, we don't know what's really going to happen in this game, but something right. messed up is going to happen, right? That's a classic Vegas zone. Like five and a half, like what does that even mean? Like that's just yeah. a weird ass number. We don't know what which what's going to happen, so we're just putting the number here. Well, it, let you yeah, guys at least in this case right? though, it was because of the injury. I think right, like the Alex Smith he's going to be in because like it's it's probably yeah. four if Alex Smith plays, well, that's the and it should be seven if Haskins Haskins plays for sure. And the fact that it was five and they never actually got to seven, and I was like, that's the thing that's fishy to me, right? It's like. How is this number not seven? Yeah, that's like once what Haskins is announced though. in, it goes to six and a half, and it never goes to seven because it's like, really, people are into Washington here with Haskins, and then, of course, they end up cashing. And again, it's the same thing that we talk about every right. Like, it's the, it's the magnetism back yeah. to a tie here. And in this case, right, like, if you got five, you were okay, because I know in the super contest, that contest yeah. line was five. Earlier in the week, you might be able to get five. So they push, yeah. and it's like, no, like it's just the NFL. Just janky is all get out. And speaking of janky, Houston and Indianapolis, right? And this one, we talked about how the line felt a little too high at seven. Then it goes to seven and a half, and you start, you know, going up and down the roster for Houston. And it's like injured guy, injured guy, secondary, completely, you know, decimated at this point, you know, da 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 And I'm like, yeah, but I'm still not laying seven and a half. Like, it's just not something that I'm looking to do unless, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals are involved. And so, like, it's a stay away at seven and a half. I bet it went, you know, at seven. And so it ends up pushing. And I think, like, push is kind of the right result for everything that went on. Because the Colts backers are going to be like, <laughs> well, we had a, you know, we had a 14-point lead. Like, what the hell? You know, da-da-da-da-da. Like, we're dominating that game. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the Texans backers are yeah. probably feeling a lot like those of us who were on Philly against Arizona, where it gets kind of down to the end of the game and the Colts score a touchdown instead of a field goal with a couple of minutes to go, you know, in a situation where like they would have been content with the field goal if they absolutely had to get that. And so, you know, you're going through that fourth quarter. And yeah. Then and then again, like the insane, like, the same thing happens essentially from the first game, like in a different way, but like, yeah, the the Texans drive it all the way down and they fumble. And so like Colts backers are like, okay, thank God we pushed. And like now Texans backers are like upset that they didn't, you know, get that final score, which it looked, you know, and again, it comes back to, yes, poor Deshaun. But yeah. So like, I just think push was the right move, like the right thing for everybody involved. And that we all just kind of forget that game happened because like, maybe it's just Texans only get up for and have, you know, a level of preparedness for the Colts. Right. Cause we use the, you know, we talked about the 15% studying versus the 50% exam studying last week. And we we're like, yeah, I think the Texans are a 15 percenter here. And it's like, because they've done already all this preparation, cause it's a division matchup. It's like 
yeah, they don't need to study all that much because like mm-hmm. they're just ready to go against a relatively predictable Colts offense. So um, yeah, push for everybody involved so we don't need to beat ourselves up um, about anything when it comes to that. Hopefully you got the best of the number, even if it was Houston plus seven and a half, which of course uh, would have been a good bet. Detroit and Tennessee and Jacksonville, Baltimore close it out here as games that I had nothing <laughs> in no involvement in really whatsoever. And for me, I'm disappointed in myself for the Detroit Tennessee one because I was thrown off by Stafford. It never like occurred to me. We talked about on your show, the lines, right? The lines for the lions and how like yeah. every week it was like Stafford might not play. So we have to keep the lions game off the board. And this is one where they're like, yeah, no 10 and a half, 11. That's fine. Cause like he's not going to play. And then of course he comes up on Saturday and is like, guess what? I'm playing. And of course the line shoots down to like eight, eight and a half, about a point off of where I, you know, said I thought it should be. And of course that point was probably reflective of the fact that the guy's, you know, playing with like broken cartilage or whatever that he's playing with. And that throws me off. Yeah. And I'm kicking myself. I should have just taken the Titans no matter what. So do you know what it was for me? So again, same thing, as you mentioned, we discussed it and, I made the late switch to the Titans <laughs> right before the game because they discussed how the decision was made yeah. that he was going to play. Uh, like, did you I hear this the... story? They yeah. said that Stafford, yeah. they had practice. So they, they had practice. Stafford's not participating. All of a sudden, he's, he's throwing off on the side, right? And he's just throwing mm-hmm. by himself, whatever. And then all of a sudden, he comes over and just puts on his helmet. And he's <laughs> like, all right, I'm good to go. And he's about to walk into like the drills that they're doing, like the live actual right. practice drills that they're doing. And the coach or the defensive, the coach or the offensive coordinator was like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm good to go. And they're like, wait, have you been cleared by the doctors? Have you been cleared by like the head coach? Like well, what's happening? Here? And he's like, no, 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 I'm good. And he just went in and started playing. And I was like, hold on a second. Here. <laughs> This guy's not healthy. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm on the Titans here. I'm on the Titans. I was like, how does that even happen? But then you realize it's not even their real coach anymore. Right. Not that Patricia was yeah, of course. Coach. Yeah, but you know he's running I'm that saying, show, right? Who, whoever it is, is not telling. Yeah, is not telling yeah. Matt Stafford you're not playing, right? So at, when that happened, I was like, okay. So my guy's really hurt. He's going to tough it out. I get it. One we talked about on your show, right? Like this one came down to leadership for me. And when Stafford's not in there, like I don't believe that the Lions are going to care enough. And then he goes and he's like, does the leadership type thing. And it's funny because like, you know, you read the injury report. You should be reading the injury report on Friday. And it's like Matt Stafford intends to play, but you're still like, no, like, no, he's not. Like, what a, like the guy who had a broken throat, like yeah. intended to play earlier in the week. Right. Like, like he's not playing and neither is Matt Stafford. And of course, you know, uh, Ragnar what didn't play. And so it's like, okay, wait, he actually is going to play. And at that point I was like, I, I don't know anything about this, but I was going to hit it live. Cause it was seven, yeah. seven. The live mm-hmm. number went to six and a half, but it was like minus mm-hmm. one twenty five. And I was like, well, maybe the Lions could get like one stop here and I could get this thing down to either minus six or even just like a better price on minus six and a half. And then Tannehill immediately threw a 75 yard touchdown to Corey Davis. And I was like, okay, (laughs) not getting that price. 
Yeah, All right. not going to get this that one. price ever again, and we'll sort of watch. And again, it, and the game went exactly as how I thought it was going to, with the Titans just beating them down in the second half and pulling away so that like any live number, you know, minus 10, minus 14, like all of that would have cashed by, but at that point, you just sort of like, you just kind of let it go. Speaking of let it go, I mentioned Jacksonville, Baltimore here. I got nothing to say about this other than like Jacksonville's clearly packed it in, at least from a defensive standpoint. And we said like, it's not going to be pretty here after the Derrick Henry effort, like the Baltimore Ravens run game is not going to be any more, uh, you know, not going to be any easier for Jacksonville here. And of course, it was just them, the Ravens, just piling yeah. up points. Speaking of piling up points here tonight, uh, you already know. You already know where I'm at with this. Uh, Pittsburgh by a boatload. Talked about it on Friday. Talked about it on your show on Thursday. Grab the 13, right? Like immediately. Yeah. Do not wait around for Monday to be like, oh, who am I going to bet in this game? Grab minus 12 and a half, minus 13 while you can. This number is only going to go up. And here we are with 14s and 14 and a halfs popping all throughout the weekend. Because again, like the people who are moving these numbers, they are not waiting around for Monday morning to decide who they are going to bet. No. They are evaluating it. They, especially when, of course, listen, it helps that Ryan Finley gets announced as the quarterback. And of course, everybody, you know, it's just a mad, you know, <laughs> like a mad dash to the window to bet on the Steelers. So I think they absolutely roll tonight. But again, you know, like it's hard for me to be like, you know what, minus 14, minus 14 and a half, do it anyway. Because I like, I still think it's like, we're looking at like a 30 to six type game. Yeah. So it's still, you know, you still might up, end up getting there. But like, you know, we talked about it at length Thursday and Friday, 13, like get that number. So that's, that's the number you have to grade it against um, for tonight's game. Um, over under, like what, what amount of points do you think the Cincinnati Bengals score tonight? I'm going to put them at <laughs> Yeah, six feels right, right? Like either a touchdown where Randy Bullock misses the extra point and you all, everybody kind of rolls their eyes at the, at the ridiculous Bengals, or maybe like last night where it's like field goal early, you know, make people sort of hang in there to watch the second half and then like yeah. a field goal late just to try to, I don't know, cosmetic purposes or whatever. Um, so hopefully not very entertaining tonight in yeah. that uh, the Steelers absolutely destroy the Bengals. Uh, but we do have something that we have to talk about. We teased it last week, and you teased it earlier on today because you are ready for the season yep. to start. I am not, so we're going to rely on you here for a little bit of expertise here to finish the show. The National Basketball Association gets going tomorrow. So sort of wide open question here. Anything that we need to look at from a betting standpoint, whether it's sort of futures. I mean, that's not all that exciting in the NBA because we kind of already know who's going to make it far, uh, you know, sleepers in the division, player awards are always kind of fun. Um, for, you know, what do you got? So, yeah, like throw anything. Well, okay, let's start big, right? Let's like MVP. Um, Luka Doncic is the favorite. So mm-hmm. the first part of the question is how do you feel about that? And secondly, um, I kind of like a little bit of a dark horse here. Dame Lillard. As if we're going to be excited about Doncic, okay, um, because of like how obviously how good he was and sort of how he sort of took over the bubble and all of that kind of stuff last season, like Dame Lillard did the exact same thing. And we're talking about kind of trajectories here. You know, you sort of have to. It's like pushing over a refrigerator here, right? Like you got to get it moving first, right? Like got to get rocking back and forth, rocking back and forth, and then push. Like that's how the MVP works 
in the NBA. And, you know, listen, yeah, totally. take the floor. No, the big thing about the NBA is it's about narratives. And the narrative from the – and it's always by the media, right? So it's always heading into a season. You can tell the media narrative, whatever, like, the stat nerd community has already decided this is going to be the guy that we're going to push this season or this is the storyline we're going to push this season. That's what always happens. And if you think about it consistently – from Giannis, then go back to James Harden, go back to Russell Westbrook. That's just what it is because, you know, it gets boring to be like, hey, LeBron's really good. The Lakers are really good. LeBron should Mm -hmm. win MVP, right? Like that gets boring. So everyone's out there trying to come up with the most interesting hot take and then it becomes a trendy thing. And then that just becomes the narrative or the lens through which we watch the season through. So from the end of last season, we've already been told Luca is going to win MVP. And that's where this is coming from already heading into this season. Now, I love your Dame Lillard pick because in terms of value, it's great. And if the reasons that you're telling me Luca is going to be MVP, well, I think the Blazers are a slept on team in the Western Conference. I think Dame Lillard, their biggest problem was they didn't have enough around him for their team to be good enough in the regular season, meaning finish high enough in the standings, right? He had to do way too much. And then once they get one injury, whether to Dame or to CJ, then you're relying on like Melo to like start and get you buckets. Um, Who was a guy we all claimed was the worst player in the NBA? (laughs) Mario Hazonia is out here getting like legitimate minutes on their team and it's just like wait a second this this makes no sense right but now they've made a lot of additions to add to the depth of their team that will so they'll be able to sustain injuries but also the wear and tear on dame for a whole season isn't going to be at the same level that we saw last year so they're not going to be scrapping just to come in eighth this should be a year where they should come in fourth or third like they could be up there and if that's the case and Dame Lillard continues to do right. what we've seen Dame Lillard do. Right. I love that. that in terms yeah, of because value you, play, you can't bet Doncic at plus massive, 350. Massive. Like, let's just get that out there right now, right? He may win the MVP, all of that sort of thing. But, like, I mean, just yeah. the, the element of injury potential, too, right? Like, you miss enough time, et cetera, et cetera. And, like, mm-hmm. I'm looking at these teams, yeah. and, like, yeah, maybe I'm wrong here, but I, I think you agree with me just based on what you just literally just said. But, like, why why do i think that the mavs are better than the than this version of the trailblazers like fully healthy version of the trailblazers right like why would i believe that like yeah. like i get that the lakers are going to be first right like yeah like the lakers are going to be first but neither davis <laughs> yeah. nor lebron are going to win mvp right cuz they're just going to sort of quote unquote split the vote um I think there's a real yep. possibility for a step back of the Clippers. Yep. And again, this full season of the Trailblazers, like why couldn't they be second in the conference? The one issue there, though, is Giannis. Like, are, I don't know that we're bored yet of Giannis. Is, there, is, is that a thing? No. And, and there will be – no, we're not bored of Giannis. And because of the fact that it became yeah. a real thing that he might leave. Right. The fact that he came back and didn't sign right away. And again, I'm saying all this and this sounds so counter to what we just talked about in the NFL. Right. Where like narratives, narratives, narratives. And then it's like, Mm -hmm. no, no, no. Narratives are cool, but gambling is different. This is (laughs) different because it's all about narratives. So Giannis. Right. You know what I'm saying? So follow me here with Giannis here, because 
it was real that he might leave. The fact that he stayed, sure. that becomes like a happy-go-lucky story. And so if the Bucks are able to piece together and run away with the East or even just have the same season they've had the last two years in the East where right. they just win by a lot, like a comfortable you know, Eastern Conference crown, there is potential for Giannis again to win just because it is the nice story that, hey, this guy stayed – in in uh, Milwaukee, look, their team is still good, and it is a regular season award. We know Giannis is going to play the majority of the games, and he's going to play really hard, and that's going to be a thing. So with that said, there is someone else that I think, yeah. if you're looking for value, should really think okay. about it. And that's Kevin Durant. Because there's, there's a world in which right. things go really well for the Nets, and basketball-wise, Kyrie Irving gets a lot of uh, talk about him, right? And the potential of Kyrie yeah. messing up this season for the Nets. I'm here to tell you that even if Kyrie gets hurt, which, knock on wood, because I don't want to see anyone get hurt, but let's be real, Kyrie Irving has been injured a lot more yep. in his career than he's been healthy, right? But even if, So I'm saying if Kyrie goes down, the Nets are still deep enough that it's not going to matter. Mm. They're still going to be a really good team. And Kevin Durant coming off a full year being off. And he is a (laughs) baller, baller, baller. What I mean by that is there's certain guys who are NBA stars because they were just tall, right? There's certain guys like Joel Embiid is in the NBA because he's really tall. He's really big. And he might like basketball, right? right? But he doesn't really love basketball. Kevin Durant loves basketball and that taken away from him for a year. And then now he's back. Watch out. This is a guy that he's mm-hmm. going to step in and he could lead the league in scoring again. They're going to take it easy on him. Steve Nash is going to do things where he's okay. not trying to put too much pressure on him defensively. So what does that mean? Oh, well, his right. offensive numbers are going to be really good. That's and again, another storyline. Hey, Kevin Durant's back. New York basketball's back. Blah, blah, blah. Like that's just a thing to watch out for. There's a world where I see the Nets winning the East, like coming in first place in the East. Okay. I just think they're that deep of a team. So okay. Durant, I like 15 Kevin Durant to one, Dame value. Lillard, 20 to one, both very interesting. Um, like rookie of the year. Do you have any idea what the pulse is on that type of thing? Cause I mean, there's obviously a ton of good prices. LaMelo ball is the favorite, but like as much as like he has yeah. passes, yeah, like passes are ending Which up on Twitter like, and Instagram or whatever. Yeah. But like the numbers don't <laughs> back it up. Like, is there anybody that sort of pops out to you at this yeah. point? Like this one is one that like you yeah. might want to watch 20 games and then try to kind of grab some value with somebody who's sort of showing mm-hmm. up. But is there anybody sort of going into the season that you're at least going to keep your eye on for, for um, potentially the rookie of the year? So a couple things here. LaMelo Ball, the whole reason why this is all fool's goal is because the other night, as you mentioned, he throws this crazy pass and everyone sees it. It's all over Twitter. It's all over Instagram. Everyone's saying, ah, I just watched this like 30 times. Yeah, exactly. In that same game, he was one for 10 from the floor. Right? So it's like, okay, cool. Someone to really watch for, and I was actually kind of surprised with how far he fell in the draft, yep. is Tyrese Halliburton. And the thing with the Kings is it's the Kings. So the, my only hesitation is the fact that it's the Sacramento Kings and they're not known for really, you know, right. honing in young talent, we'll say. 
But so far in the preseason, Halliburton has looked really good on their team. And he's they've thrown him to the wolves in terms of he's getting a lot of minutes coming off their bench. He's kind of in a position where he might be that, for lack of a better comp, a hmm. Lou Williams type where we're just going to simplify it for you. You come off the bench and just cook. Don't worry too much about, you know, playing, uh, you know, playmaking or passing or trying to run the offense or whatever. You just come on. You come off the bench, you give us energy off the bench, and that leads to getting numbers. He's going to play a lot. There's going to be injuries because there always is on that team, whether it's a, a washed-up Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald's always banged up, De'Aaron Fox, there's always something there. We know Bagley's been injured already. But Halliburton, because of, at his size is at, as well, he can play multiple positions. At 6'5", he can play any of those perimeter positions. He's just going to be able to score right away and just play in the NBA. And I think that that is going to be a big thing because mm-hmm. you're looking for guys who put up stats as opposed right. to MVP where it's like you need to win. No, of course. That doesn't really matter as much with the rookie of the year. So I kind of like that pick. You look at the guys at the top and it's no. Wiseman yeah. and LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards. And I don't see any of those guys – you know, maybe OB Toppin, okay. but there's too many guys playing his position. He might be one where, as you mentioned, watch a couple games. Maybe someone goes down in that New York crowded front line. And then OB Toppin, he can play right away. There's just too many guys in the rotation. Okay, I like that. Uh, Halliburton 12 to 1 uh, to win the Rookie of the Year potentially even a little bit better price yeah. elsewhere. Um, okay, last sort of question. Are there, are there any teams that you're like, oh, people don't realize how bad this team is or people don't realize how good this team is that we might be looking to just kind of do like a quick, you know, early season five game, just bet them every game and see how that goes type of thing. Ooh, an yeah. early, an, a team to make early runs. That's an interesting one. I, I'm going to say this, overall, like an overall look. Okay. People are sleeping on two teams, Okay. Overall, I'm not talking to start the season. I'm talking like if this team wins each conference. I'm going to say the Miami Heat, hmm. and I'm going to say the L.A. Clippers. We'll start with the Heat. I know the Heat just right. made the NBA Finals in the bubble, and it was a little different because, you know, chemistry mattered a whole lot more. Like, it's just a different vibe and a different feel. Pat Riley and company did it again in terms of going back to the draft and finding just more talent to fit into what they do as a squad. And so they're, they're deep, once again, that heat culture, the way that they play, and plus now you have the talent level to support the style of play, the Heat are going to be a, a good team again. And don't be surprised if they're a team that also makes a run that is up there in the Eastern Conference. The Clippers, I know it sounds weird, but it's about narratives again. It's easy to make fun of the Clippers. All the storylines are there to make fun of the Clippers. Paul George is out here saying dumb things in interviews. Oh, they re-signed Paul George again. I get all that. I understand all that. The Los Angeles Clippers could win the East, the Western Conference, and I would not be surprised at all. One of the things I said is not to overreact to the bubble. And because things were going to work for certain teams because of mm-hmm. that, and certain teams are going to work against them. The Lakers and Clippers were the perfect example of chemistry and how important chemistry can be to a team. The Clippers built no right. chemistry throughout the whole season, right? Whereas, as I use the Miami Heat as an example, 
when the the whole pandemic started, Jimmy Butler's out here sending uh, sending Correct. basketball hoops to his whole team to make sure that they're shooting around or they're getting shots up wherever they're <laughs> at across the world, <laughs> right? He's making sure that they can get shots up. That's camaraderie. That's why I feel like the Heat will be a team again because you're building off that culture. The Clippers, yep. you just read terrible pre- mm-hmm. clip- clippings, pardon the pun, about yourself sure. for a full, what, two, three months? You've been the laughing stock of the whole entire league. The talent is still there on that team. They're a good team. It's just they didn't have the chemistry. Now I feel like Kawhi and company, they came out and played in the preseason. I think you're going to see a different team in terms of them playing in the regular season and taking it a lot more seriously because they realized when it came to the playoffs, they didn't play nearly enough. So the Clippers are a team that you could see come out here and really run off some wins just because they're like, all right, we screwed up last year. This year we got to take these right. things a lot seriously. Okay. We got to put the work in. Yeah. So it sounds weird off the top because I know the Clippers are, you know, the second favorites or whatever. But if you're talking yeah. about perception, right, right. a lot of people are already writing them off, laughing stock, and you're hearing talk about the Nuggets, talk about the Mavs, talk about the Suns, and it's like, no, 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 the Clippers <laughs> yeah. are still better True. than Good all point. those teams. Well, this is the this is the type so, of goodness that you can get on over at the On Blast Podcast Network. So what's going on? What's going on with the ball on blast? And of course, you know, when Raptors first game is when, and I assume there's going to be a wrap it up podcast on that night what's going on yes so (laughs) opening night for your toronto raptors is wednesday and uh so the nba season starts on tuesday with a great double header and you got the warriors and the rematch game or the revenge game against kevin durant and the nets and then you got the clippers and lakers right but then you got wrap it up coming back wednesday night as the raptors open up the season again against the yeah. Pelicans. Age-old rivalry. I don't know. Like, is, is that Age a new rivalry? rivalry? I have no idea what's going on there. Right? Raptors-Pelicans opening up the season two years in a row. But, yeah, so wrap it up. You can find that afterwards. That's going to be online. You can watch that live streaming on Twitter, on YouTube. Um, yeah. And then it ends up as a podcast, wherever you get your podcasts afterwards. And we're, we're here rocking it out. And you mentioned before asking about the Raptors. I'm going to be honest. Okay. I'm kind of nervous about the Raptors this season. I'm going to be really honest. I think the overall goal is uh, avoid yep. the play-in tournaments. If you remember uh, this season, they're implementing that. So seven to ten seeds, you end up in a play-in tournament. I think the Raptors will be in a fight to be in sixth. And there's just a, a group of Eastern Conference teams all in that little – area and i'm thinking you know you got the pacers <laughs> raptors wizards kind of all in that mix trying to avoid the play in tournament there and it, it'll be a tough go for the raps they're gonna miss the depth that serge Ibaka yep. and marcus Gasol provided to their team like you're you're replacing that with chris boucher like now you yeah. need chris boucher yeah, to play not ideal Right, like you need that. Like Serge Ibaka is is Chris Boucher. I don't know if he's ready for that yet, and and that's going to be a big deal for a team that, you know, play, overplayed, overachieved last year yeah. in terms of dealing with injuries. 
He's already pleasing Raptors fans with his preseason take, but he's telling it like it is, just like he does every Monday with me about the (laughs) NFL. Thanks again for this, pal. No problem, my dude. No problem. Fun breaking down Sunday's action on and off the field with my man Sheldon. I'll be back tomorrow with the look ahead to next week's slate in the NFL. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Till next time, I'll see you at the window.